The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix podcast. Tune in today. The modern world is sick. <laughs> like, it, no, like it's actually, it's fucking deranged, right? I mean, like, is there a fetish for like people who eat boiler? Right, yeah, oh, shit, fetish? yes, yeah. there mukbang. is. Mukbang. Like, <laughs> like a, a Maori mukbang. That's, yeah. what my, that's what my contribution will be. Kia ora koutou. welcome to Gone By Lunchtime. My name's Toby Manhai, and I'm for Kia ora. Kia ora. Ben Thomas, kia ora. Morena. Running everything today, as ever, is Samuel. Kia ora. Kia ora, Annabelle, can you take your bracelets off, please? <laughs> it's like going through airport security. It's like, gotta, gotta keep the pod clean. <laughs> 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 the, um, the day today is August the 2nd, 2023. Two months, exactly two months, it's always... Number of months or number of days. Two months until advanced voting starts. More importantly, Leo season. Leo season. Oh, Leo season. Ben mm-hmm. rising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happy birthday to my mother. Today. Uh, a couple of days ago. Nice. Um, Happy birthday to my mother on the 8th. Oh, on the 8th. Good. Ben, any birthdays you'd like to celebrate? I'm a Leo. I've got... I've got... Is it your birthday? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm crawling closer to the grave. How we... old will you be? I don't like to say. <laughs> that's that's subscriber content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's We're going to celebrate too. Ben's birthday in a few weeks, uh, live in human form at Word Christchurch on Sunday, the 27th of August. It's a very good festival, that Word Christchurch. Mm. So you should come along and you should come to our session. Yep. If you like books, piano. you will love podcasts. And you can. <laughs> <laughs> Since, since the internet came along and rotted our brain, like li- like li- listening to a podcast is basically like reading the first three volumes of In Search of Lost Time. Quite often when people say, oh, I listen to your podcast, they say, and I use it to help me get to sleep. So I'm imagining all these people coming along to our live events Road. and just sort of gradually, you know, like those kind of installation art things they sometimes do, just sort of gradually f- sort of falling into a deep slumber over the course of our event. Could be cool. Bring you to bring your own duvet. Word Christchurch. Travel pillow. Um, now, the 2023 campaign already has very many holes in it. I've listed some here. Potholes, sinkholes, wormholes, assholes, obviously. But the most famous <laughs> campaign hole, apart from existential holes, is the fiscal hole, isn't it? Mm. Yes, it is. Uh, We had transport policy announced um, on the weekend by National, which is like a throwback celebration, perhaps publicity tool for Stephen Joyce's new book, Roads of National Significance. And then we had various debate back and forth, very election campaign classic stuff, including claims from David Parker 
and the rest of the Labour team that the, the, the money wasn't there to, to pay for them. And then I think it was yesterday Craig Rennie from the CTU came out with some calculations saying there was between $3 billion and $5 billion hole in uh, National's promises so far. National haven't laid out their full costings yet, neither have Labour for that matter. But it is that National came back with, it's a partisan hack hit job. They didn't get involved in the numbers. Craig McCulloch had a good piece on RNZ this morning talking about the the, the, the recent history of fiscal hole politics in Aotearoa, uh, the 2011 Show Me the Money thing by John Key, which also included a lick of the GST from Labour. That was he. That was part of him saying there was a 17 billion hole. 2017, Stephen, the famous Stephen Joyce identified an $11.7 billion hole. That was when we first started calling them fiscal holes. Oh, fiscal, that was official, yeah. A, a time, yeah, if, if only we could go back and shoot an event in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and then in, then in 2020, uh, Robertson uh, identified a fiscal a hole in um, Paul Goldsmith's numbers, and that was sort of... Uh, sorry, anyway. What was that for? It was. They just added it up wrong. It no, was. was I think that? it was because they'd based it on the year before's numbers, which is quite often what happens, right? And there's the because the the when the prefu comes out, which has the the forecast and the yeah, lead up to the election. So. Ben's favourite time um, of the yeah, and it's so it's, it's this, but 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 Ben, isn't this? I mean, 2016, Metiria Ture, then co-leader of the Green Party, came out calling for an independent uh, costings unit. Uh, and that was kind of sort of gently dismissed by I think by by the then national government, but not 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 vehemently. Since then, there have been some moves towards doing it. National blocked it, and now National Nicola Willis is saying that Grant Robson hasn't cracked on and done it. Shouldn't we just do this? I mean, is there, it, it seems like something that would we have these kind of weird scraps every time now, and it's hard for normies. I mean, not us. Obviously, easy for us to calculate the numbers. <laughs> you know, we we just need a whiteboard, right, yeah. and an abacus. But isn't wouldn't it be useful to have something like that? It would be useful to to a certain extent. An independent costing agency just displaces the argument. A lot of a lot of uh, political arguments are not about so much about how much something costs, mm. uh, although, you know, with fiscal hold politics, we've gotten more and more into that. Mm. Um, it's about, you know, does it pay for itself? Does it increase economic activity? Right. You know, the a lot of, um, you know, say low tax policy, they'll say, well, it increases economic activity. They call these dynamic effects. Mm-hmm. Now, cost when you do independent costings... And lately we've got, is it inflationary? Quite that's right, uh, that. which, yeah. which is another sort of dynamic effect or a yeah. knock-on effect. Those those effects wouldn't be calculated by an independent agency. They would just go through and say, well, we think concrete costs this much. We think labour costs this much. We reckon it's in this sort of ballpark. Now, Treasury already do that sort of thing. Usually they're wildly off, particularly for infrastructure. But there is some value in having that. But what, what it would mean is that you displace the political argument away from you know, what's the nominal cost into what would the effects be? Now, that might be a positive thing, actually. Um, New Zealand is the sort of, you know, relatively corruption-free country where we could rely on, you know, what is by and large a pretty good public service uh, to do that, particularly if it was an office attached to parliament uh, Mm. as opposed to, you know, the executive government. There there is a a, a second issue about sort of fiscal whole politics in general, which is – 
that to a large extent this is, you know, a hole is just an empty space and to a large extent this these things philosophical are now. constructs of the imagination, right? Mm. At budget time, Grant Robertson said, there is no money left. There is no money left. I've spent it all. And if you go anywhere beyond the strictures of my budget, as I've presented it in May, mm. you're being fiscally irresponsible. Mm. Now, since then, the somewhat heroic economic projections in the budget haven't come to pass, and Grant Robertson's government itself is two billion dollars behind in terms of the revenue. So they're actually they've actually got a they've, the government already has a two billion dollar fiscal hole, but Grant Robertson isn't fronting up and saying, "Well, how am I going to pay for that?" Right? He just he just adds it to the total and says, "Well, it's not like a household, you know." <laughs> you know? Right. And 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 so the thing is this this idea that you know there is a certain amount of beans or stones or dollars. And you cannot go above that at all. Like, it's, it's just not true. This is an arbitrary marker. You know, Grant Robertson didn't say, oh, if you exceed our budget, we won't hit surplus. We're already not in surplus. Mm. We're in deficit, right? Mm. So these are arbitrary milestones, right? Even if you accept that the calculations are off, it'll cost $3 billion more. That just means borrowing $3 billion more, sure, more right? Sure, it, it, sure. it doesn't mean that the government foreclo- is foreclosed on. But it is, it is a reasonable expectation, isn't it, in the lead-up to election that – certainly the major parties, provide their costings and that they add up, right? I mean, accepting that there's all that rhetorical yeah, stuff and accepting yeah. there are always ways to raise at, money, at, it's, at, it's, at, they're at the, the government. At, yeah, at, at the same time, they don't have to add up to zero. They can add up to whatever the current uh, deficit is. They can add up to whatever yep. the projected deficit for next year is. They can add up to the projected deficit plus the $2 billion that the government's already in the hole based on falling revenue. So these these are arbitrary markers, right? As, as long as you're telling people what you're, you're doing, you know, that that's fair enough. But you can't just say there is a hole in this one ideal costing. If I could just delve a little deeper. Into the hole. Into this. <laughs> Yeah, analysis. It is rhetorical. Whole, um, my take on it is that if Matidia says we should have it, we should have it. Maybe Matidia should could be brought out of political retirement to lead the independent costings. That would be my bureau. great hope and wish. <laughs> From her, does she live in the castle? I don't know if she lives in the castle anymore. I don't no, know. She's, she's busy an artist, running around she? after her mokopuna now. She's but she's actually no, she's back at Otago University. She's, she's yeah. actually teaching at Otago University again. Well, she teaches law. And she's an artist. Yeah. Well, yeah. She's pretty busy. She's busy. So, I mean, we'll get onto this later, but honestly, leaving politics is often the best thing that ever happens to anyone. <laughs> like, oh. I, I disagree. I actually think she's the exception to the rule. I think a lot of politicians really struggle after Parliament, particularly Māori ones, and Matidia's just gone on to kill it. And I also think there's something to be things. said for having politicians who just stick around, you know, and having a diversity of view in politics and not having, you know, the, the idea that everyone just has to move on. Obviously, the British Parliament is not a not necessarily a model for many things. <laughs> but, you know, quite like sometimes there's sort of so, so a few old timers there who have particular views and who aren't going to be, you know, it's, aren't going to be easily whipped because they have a mandate from their own constituents. Yeah, but then you look at what's happening to the US and they have the most, like, ancient politicians in their history. <laughs> well, that's yeah. right. We'd start a select committee and it'd just start glitching. The median age is like 97 or something. All, they're all buffering constantly. Speaking of, um, speaking of uh, the, the 2011 election and John Key demanding 
of Phil Goff that he's showing the money. We had uh, we've had a bit of a reprise of that in some sense in recent times when it was when it's been seems pretty likely that Labor is going to announce that its policy for the 2023 election is removing GST from fruit and vegetable or some version of that. It, it, it it's a it's a very popular policy. In the polling, it does extremely well. Like more than three quarters of people say yes. Because when you're asked, do you think that GST should be removed from fruit and vegetables? Like, yeah, yeah. fruit and vegetables are good. And GST, you know, I mean, it seems like, but, but, but so it's probably focus grouping pretty well too. They're looking for a rabbit to pull out of the hat, looking for a interest free loan 2005 type thing. They've instead landed on 2011, it seems. <laughs> and I was, I mean, you would think, Annabelle, that it might be like a, um, a kite flying exercise, you know, where sometimes parties will feed out the, that they're looking at a particular thing in order to test the mood of the nation uh, ahead of doing it. I would have thought it was this, except that you probably wouldn't decide to do it via Nicola Willis, mm. <laughs> finance spokesperson <laughs> for National, which is kind of kind of embarrassing that it, they, she appears to be their, you know, their kind of early harbinger of policy. What do you what do you make of that policy? The way it emerged, is it a winner? Oh, in terms of the way it emerged, yeah. I think for the average voter, they don't care. Like they're just happy that there's going to be. GST free fruit and veggies mm. but I think what it does t- show is or well, it's an example of the challenges that Hipkins is going to face going into the election which is that there's probably about what 20 MPs who probably have like 20 MP sized mortgages who know that they're not going to win their electorate seat and that they're not high enough on the list to get back into Parliament who are going to have the jitters, and they're going to start playing up. So I think while it may not be one of those people who leaked it to to, um, to Willis, those are the sorts of discipline issues that he and his whips are going to be facing in the lead-up to the election. Yeah. In terms of it being a winner... Um, yeah, of course it is. As you said, like it's it's polling really well. I th- I think that um, other people would probably prefer the Maori Party's approach, which is GST of all kai. Right. Yeah. Um, ben. Of course, I'm a lobbyist, and so <laughs> our our profession loves this sort of thing. You know, I've already been in contact with the makers of Up and Go in case the Māori Party policy gets in- instituted to sort of argue that it's a food, not a drink. Um, I think we should say for the record, you're not, Up and Go is not one of your no, clients. No, Up and Go is not no, one yeah, of my clients, yeah. or Sanitarium or anything. Yeah. My kids are going to be so not sad. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> been um, rocking it out with the Seventh-day Adventists. The, yeah, I... I you know, look, it is, you know, for, for stern and colourful criticism of the uh, removing GST from fresh fruit and vegetables policy, you need to look no further than the finance minister, Grant Robertson, right. who National had a great time sort yes. of parading out the previous times he yes. has contemptuously yes. dismissed this policy. Yeah. Uh, to it, which Grant Robertson's response on the questions of the boondoggle, as he called it, <laughs> and the, the beetroot issue, which he'd also identified in terms 
terms of whether or not beetroot was something that was going to favour, you know, lower income. I mean, the, broadly what you're saying is that it's not shown, shown that such a policy would not necessarily benefit lower income people so much as higher income people. It's pretty hard to implement. It becomes the tax purists hate it. Uh, it does, the, it's not good for small businesses. That's the major thing that I'm worried about is that there have been such sucky lalas in terms of reining yeah. in our supermarkets yeah. that they're just going to gobble up that and, 15% And it's a hard thing to measure because when you have like, we all know what, we know, well, we should know what the, what a block of butter costs or, you know, these kind of, these goods where you have a sense of how much they cost. Well, tomatoes go up and down all the all year, right? So does lettuce. And so it's much easier for that to get lost, that GST drop, than it would be on a product where it's a... Literally every winter... Even outside cost of living crises, yes, our major posts. news outlets yeah. run a story saying why are pumpkins so expensive, yeah. Yeah. and and so the swing in terms of price for fresh fruit and vegetables during the year is so much higher than the thirteen percent that you would save from GST. That worse than it not being particularly effective is the public wouldn't even notice and so wouldn't feel any kind of sense of gratitude towards you, which is the worst thing for a politician to if they're if they're going to be spending sort of a billion dollars on a tax cut. Um, you know, we saw this during the cost of living, you know, that cost of living payment of, you know, three lots of seventy bucks or something was it cost a lot of money and no one cared. You know, that was the that was the worst part about it politically. Right. You want so, you want it to be a palpable yeah, policy, that, I mean, right? that, that's why student loan, that's why, you know, go, we go back a million years now. Yeah. 2005, Grant Robertson's brainchild of interest-free on student yeah. loans. They put a calculator was on the Grant website. Grant Robertson's that, Yeah, when he was policy. an advisor. He was My working God, in Clark's office. that was a stroke office. of genius, yeah. say that one. Yeah, because, you know, you know, forget $20, $30 tax cut. You go to the Labor thing, you punch in how much this will save you, and it's like $30,000. Yeah. You know, it's like winning a lotto, right? Now, GST on fresh fruit and vegetables just not really the same thing. Well, obviously, it applies to a wider a wider group of group of people than the yeah. And sometimes people. I think it's the like you know it's the principle of it, right? Like well, if we want to make sure that kids have kai in their puku, even if rich kids do benefit from it too, then and it speaks to people's experience. Worthy, yeah, speaks to people's experience across the board who are going into supermarkets and going, "Holy shit, oh, yeah, <laughs> is yeah. it really that much?" You know, yeah. and often as you say, Ben, the answer is, "Well, it's out of season. You shouldn't be able to necessarily get a capsicum when you like." But, yeah, on the beetroot and boondoggle question, the the other thing about Grant Robertson's responses in the House and the responses generally are that though they have not confirmed that this is true, <laughs> they would not be responding in the manner they are, including Grant Robertson talking about how his father used to put beetroot on scones in response to questions <laughs> in the House. <laughs> We're at, we're at nonsense, right? Like it seems... It, it, it certainly seems like it is the presumptive tax policy. That, but then again, look, the fog of war, it could change. Yeah. If they decide that, you know, if they do some overnight focus group, if they do some focus grouping this week and it turns out that people have been a bit swayed by some negative coverage, yeah. they, it might be something totally different. Well, you know? well that's be... the thing. Eh? They're like, you never know. The, is it the... their policy? Is it not? How long will it be their policy? <laughs> could right. be a day, could be a week. Into the not bonfire. Anymore. Not anymore. Anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> We've created Down. ten policies, and by election day we'll have two. Well, that's right. Chris Chris Hipkin said when he was <laughs> simply we, log on in, in and a, vote. Yeah. In a similar sense, they were asked about you know get, let's get Wellington moving this sort of seven billion dollar yeah. boondoggle of its own, which has been around you know as long as this government has. And and I, I don't know what's been done apart from a, cr- a crossing near the airport, but 
you know, it has all these grand visions of, you know, and, and he was asked about light rail in Auckland as well, you know, $15 billion sort of cost. And he said, well, no, look, we're definitely doing it. We just don't know where it's going to go, whether it's going to go, you know, above ground or underground or into the policy bonfire or... You know. <laughs> the next stop is... <laughs> like, like, you know, yeah, it's all very fluid. But Annabelle's right, you know, the I think the, the most... Most interesting thing about it is that there were two two leaks last week. One from Caucus about an emotional backbencher who was, you know, getting their feelings out about Kitty Tapu uh, Allen. Yeah, um, and and that was leaked to Andrea Vance. Yeah, um, and then uh, secondly, this policy which could be leaked, could be mis, you know, we, we you never know. It could be a, a it could have been a, a missent email or something like that. These things do actually mm. happen. Um, well, Nicola Willis previously had been very confident been the in the lead-up to the budget. From mm. the lead-up to the budget, there, that there was discussion of new mm. tax. And then on the wealth tax mm. proposal, yeah, she had word of that. Yeah. So whatever part of the pipe that that has come from, probably the same one. That, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's actually that's good. That's a very good point. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the first time you've said to her we're doing this podcast for like six years. No, I think, no that's a great point. Nice. Incredible. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Annabelle, you touched on the, the Labour list there, and there's that particular... I? Well, I think so. I, I, yeah, I did. I yeah, think you did. I, because mm-hmm. of this, because that, that question of the leaks, and we've seen it before in, in both parties, that when people start to get the strong feeling that they're going to miss out yeah. because, uh, because of... The, they're less popular as a party, not to put too fine a point on it, then you become perhaps a little bit less disciplined in terms of you become a little bit maybe more pissed off with particular people. Mm. And, and um, yeah, it sort of slacks the, the tightness a bit um, around that. What in the Labour list did you see that surprised you? People have been talking about... Michael Wood, but he's going to come back in and Roscoe on a majority. Twyford probably too. He's got 10,000 majority in Teata too. Anything else in there? And about I saw I saw actually that Soraya Peke Mason and is is not on the list. Yeah. She's going Te Taihauru only. Yeah. Which is quite a big ask against Dibbing Arupaka. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's her strategy, if she's like going to run the whole, you know, vote for me and get yeah. you know, two MPs for the price of one right. because the, you know, Maori Party will probably get enough to to pull um, Debbie through, but I don't know if it's a strategy thing or... Nanaya Mahuta is also... Well, that's the thing that I find weird. Yes, we know that Nanaya is going to win her seat and she'll win it forever and ever until she chooses not to run in it anymore. But just from an optics point of view, there's only one wahine Māori in the top 20, and that's that's Willow Jean. Wouldn't you have uh, said to Nanaya... 
um, we'd like you to be on the list so that it doesn't look like um, we've just like burnt out all of our wahine Māori. Mm. I, I think so. The interesting thing, I think, is, you know, I don't think there's anything particularly surprising in it. You know, a lot was made of sort of wood and Twyford being low down, but a lot of other um, MPs who are in relatively, you know, still relatively winnable seats are Mm. further down the order. Um, And part of this is the thing that you're talking about, right, which is that Hipkins in a very real way with this list and Labour are managing decline. They are going to lose about 20 MPs, you know, give or take, right? Yeah, it could be more, could be a little less. What you have to do is try and keep everyone's spirits up, keep everyone motivated and stop that kind of panic and sense that you've sort of lost everything, you're on the way out, there's no reason why not to leak in, leak on caucus and that kind of thing, right? So part of this is emotional management as well. So in that top, t- you know, because the top 20 is very list-heavy, you know, there's there's up to you know if you if you count about three people who I think will probably lose their seats, um, Joe Joe Luxton, um, Ginny. Uh, yeah, is Ginny Anderson going to be all right? I suspect Bishop will beat her with yeah. the swing. Um, and the the, the third she, one, she, where is she on? She's seventeenth, so she's yeah, so she's, she's, but she's, she's she'll, she'll be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what I mean is, you know, once once you put in the, once you see that those people will probably lose, maybe Priyanka Radhakrishnan as well might lose Mangakirkia. That could be up to eleven of the top twenty are coming in on the list. Yeah, right. Which is very that's that's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of listing pieces so in the top twenty. So it's thirty somethings. It's the thirty somethings. So these thirty somethings, yeah. even though they look like they've got pretty good positions, yeah. and that's to go. You know, so they'll look at that and they'll think, well, I'm number thirty three. Nothing. Yeah. You know, that's a good position. Yeah. They're still they're still very very borderline and probably not going to get in. Um, so, for example, Ibrahim Omer, who 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 is standing in Wellington Central. Is on the list at thirty-seven, yeah. and that's not a lock, you know. I mean, that's on the way. other hand, you would want to put him to the proof. You would want to say, look, if you're going, if you're going to lose a, a, a Labour seat, you right. don't get in on the list, yeah, yeah. right? Which you're, is, you're coming in, which on is part the of all those only, calculations, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Can I just say, in terms of going back to Soraya, like bit of a lost opportunity there. I, I um, have met her, and I think she's a really impressive. Wahine, but yep. you'd also think that with the loss of Mecca and with the loss of Kiritapu, that they would be looking to bring some new Wahine Māori um, MPs through the ranks. So, you know, to not not talk her into going on the list. Um, what about... In, yeah. in terms of Māori MPs, though, um, some exciting fresh new talent in East Coast... <laughs> Tabati <laughs> Coffee, a former TV weatherman, has thrown his head in the ring. Tabati Coffee. After a long retirement from politics. Current, current MP, list MP. Lost out on Wairaki last time. Yeah. The only uh, Labour MP to lose a seat. And, hey, and in a, during a red tide where they won farming seats yeah. in the Although, South Although, to Island. be fair, he dethroned Te Ururua Flavel, no mean feat. You mm-hmm. know, like... True. With, with a lot of help from uh, Mika Faitari, who was actually doing a lot of the hard yards to sort of diminish Tūruhuroa's reputation, fairly or unfairly. I mean, it is... It was is, that with that terrible Māori land? With the Tūruhuroa yeah, well, stuff, yeah. That was self-inflicted, to be fair. It was not great policy. So, look, um, let's just do a stock take on Labour, right? The Since Chris Hipkins became Prime Minister, he's... 
as you mentioned, uh, thrown a whole lot of policies onto the bonfire. He's lost four ministers, uh, two for conflict of interest related areas in the in the general mix. One blindsided by uh, a minister who's just quit to another party. Most recently, you know, the justice minister arrested and facing charges and has uh, is now will not stand for parliament at the at the next election. You've got your revenue minister resigning over um, quite quietly slip slip past the keeper during the Kerry Allen reshuffle, um, dissatisfied by the rejection of. Uh, plans that he and Grant Robertson put forward to introduce a new wealth asset tax. You've got no real big vision proposed yet. We've maybe got this 2011 redux of of, 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 of GST um, exemption on fruit and veg, but it hasn't been announced yet. Mostly it's going back to basics, doing less. We've got no... It's not like there's Luxonmania rippling through the streets of Aotearoa, but the... National Party leader is, is getting better. He's more match fit. He's sort of been working around the country. Mm. Uh, maybe you can maybe argue that point. And the, but then after yeah, the good weeks and bad weeks after so. the Hipkins bump at the start of the year, the polls have been moving slowly downwards. Roy Morgan, usual caveats, twenty six percent this week. We've got a poll coming out tonight, News Hub Read, which who knows? I mean, you know, may, 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 maybe it'll be fine. But is there is there is there any way back from this? Like, is it is is this, does, do these things have a momentum of their own? In the absence of any kind of game changer, which are, you know these things happen. The what do the Americans call it? The October surprise or whatever. In the absence of anything, is it? Is what it, you mean? In the absence of any great policy, are they going to be able to come back? Well, any po- any as yet unimagined. Like I don't know what the. I mean, you know, if they knew what the policy was, they'd be proffering it. But would they? Or would they be? Would they be holding on for a bit longer? I well, don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> but um, I guess what my question is: there is a sort of sense that is the is 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 is, is there a way back from here? Yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, look, put the Roy Morgan aside. I, I you know, Roy Morgan tends to very much overstate the support of minor parties. They've got the Māori Party at 6%, down from 7%, New Zealand First at 5%, you know. Um, I, I, it's also much more volatile than the other polls. I do. I, I would believe that Labor's down. That seems consistent. But remember, you know, throughout all of this, um, it still remains very, very, very tight between both Labor and National and Labor, Greens, Māori Party and act national, you know, it's what it's, it's even when we say, you know, you know, national have been able to form a government on a few of the last couple of polls that we've seen, uh, national and act, uh, but it's only been by, you know, a few seats. So we're back in this space of traditional MMP elections, which are very tight. And if 1% can swing it, you know, 1% going either way makes a 2% switch change. So, you know, that's entirely possible. You know, Labor have a lot of faith in Hipkins to win the campaign, to be a better debater, to show up Luxon. Yep. Yep. Luxon has, is still showing, 
really worrying signs of not being across the detail of his policies. Um, I don't know if you if you heard him on ZB with Mike Hosking. He was terrible. He couldn't give the headline figures for you know the oh. biggest policy that they have announced so far. Transport, tra- transport right. um, and he's got to be better than that during the campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, he is going to be buffeted by mm-hmm. from all sides mm-hmm. on every issue. You know, every day, and the campaigns, uh, the, sorry, the debates will range extremely widely. Um, and he can't afford to be showing up and look like he doesn't have that sort of same command of details. You know, key, you know, maybe it's an unfair comparison to keep making, but key thrived on numbers. He saw the world through numbers. Numbers were sort of the anchor for his understanding of policy. So he always had these concrete details to throw out. And Luxon, is, is relying a little too much on the fuzziness and the lines. He's gotten much better at delivering the lines. I think he's, you're, you're right, he's much improved there. But he does have to be able to actually back it up and, and sort of seem as if he's explaining, you know, with the numbers and with the detail. Do you think that's like a hangover from being like a corporate dude where you just like refer to your CFO to rattle that shit off and he doesn't have one? <laughs> Because that's not how politics works. Yeah, look, I think to a certain extent that might be. Mm. Um, the the other thing is that when you're explaining your results as the chief executive of in New Zealand, you actually have a lot more data. You know, I mean, oppositions oppositions often do lack. Uh, data, you know, and you see this over the argument about the costings. Are they using the most up-to-date figures? And they say, well, these are the most up-to-date that we've been able to get from the government. And then David Parker adopts a sphinx-like sort of, you know, (laughs) appearance and sort of says, well, maybe there's secret figures you don't know about, you know. And and, and so it is tough for opposition that way. But yeah, look, in, in terms of the, the, you know, things like the cost of, of things, that, you know, cost of projects that they say are going over budget or pointless or that they're reprioritizing money, they've got to have those headline figures. Um, they're still in the driver's seat, you know, certainly, but there's, you know, there's no guarantees. I think Ben's right in that I think Hipkins will run circles around Luxon once we get into the campaign proper. The the challenge that Luxon has is just trying to keep his party, his MPs, his ministers as tidy as possible. You know, yes, there is a a bit of a lack of talent behind him, but I think, you know, when we see the other groups coming more and more into the fore during the campaign, you know, that'll kind of be, if we're thinking in terms of a, a, a right block and a left block, you know, the the Greens have some really strong performers. Māori, Te Pāti Māori has strong performers. Um, and, you know, there's still some surprises that may come out during the campaign. We don't know. One of the Speaking of Luxon's challenges, I'm surprised that he has not yet been definitive on New Zealand First. New Zealand First in the poll, and again, 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 Roy Morgan. 5% in Roy Morgan. Over 3%, wait, over 3% in, in a bunch of other polls. They have previously gone from this sort of level in polling. Now, yeah, I know that I'm just saying party, there is no way that if... Luxon yeah. needed 
New Zealand First to govern that he would say, no, we're not going to go with New Zealand First on principle. Of well, course okay. he will. Well, 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 if so, I mean, it's just... And, this, and there's I no just... way that if, if, if New Zealand First got a better offer from Labour, they wouldn't go with Labour. But Winston has ruled out Labour on the campaign trail. But oh, didn't well, he then... unrule them out? No, he's, no, he's he was, he, them, he, he went he? on Newstalk ZB last night and ruled them out. Heather, Heather Duplessy-Allen was, was, did it quite uh, amusing. She's like, I mean, there always seems to be this little, is there a little bit of wriggle room? You know, he said the current a lot. Would he work? And I want Winston to say he will not be in a coalition or provide confidence and supply. And then Winston Peters rang in. <laughs> Winston Peters on the right. He goes, "Yeah, I will. I will." He basically read out. He's like, a, it was like a kind of you know a kidnapped. Uh, uh, ransom statement. You know, but he basically did it. He ruled it out. And look, I know, like, I'm currently in the boot I'm, of my car, I, reading from a document, document, while Brian I mean, Henry I'm, drives me to the studio. Obviously, <laughs> all of this comes with vats full of salt. You know, it's it's yeah. Worse I mean, I don't first. believe that for but a second. But he ruled them out. He's ruled them yeah. out. He's yeah, ruled them he's out. He's ruled people out before and, and so gone with them. So I mean, now, it's meaningless. He's now saying, you know, it, basically, it comes down to national or cross benches, you know, and and all that yeah. sort of thing. But given all that, I just I come back to this, John Key in many ways the model for Christopher Luxon's approach, you know, his kind of, uh, as far as, as, as he would like to emulate that, was clear. He said, ruling him out, ruling him out. And then he said, not ruling him out, I would much prefer not to work with him, but if that's what New Zealanders decide, then we'll deal with that. And at least there was some clarity. And uh, Luxon was asked again by Guy Nespiner on RNZ this morning, and he, he equivocates. Response, he so, comes back to in this. My view. He comes back to this. Oh, it's a hypothetical question. It's like, well, you ruled out Te Party Māori. That's a hypothetical question. <laughs> hypothetical question. You know, it's not hypothetical. Is not a get out of question free card. I mean, saying know? what you'll do if you get into government is entirely hypothetical. It's all right? hypothetical. Not, yeah. you know, a, a manifesto yeah. is hypothetical. <laughs> you know, it's predicated on you winning. Otherwise, yeah, it doesn't but, mean but anything. By and large, in this campaign, just, we are imagining future events. I, I don't know why they. Well, they. I just. I just. It's going to. It's because Christopher Luxon's one of his most powerful lines, and it's you know the the circumstances are feeding it beautifully. Is they're a coalition of chaos. I'm strong and stable. Mm, that's right. It's a line that has served national parties extremely well over the past. Can't we have? Maybe that's why he doesn't want to do it. I just sort of think the question is going to keep coming and coming and coming. He's hoping that national that New Zealand First will just disappear to one point eight percent, then no one will. Care. We're all hoping do this. Think, <laughs> well, do you think he would rather go with New Zealand First than Act? Because I reckon he would probably be no. in a more powerful position no. in an alliance no. with New Zealand First. I mean, that's what that's because what Labour government have done. Because won't Seymour be coming right? for yeah. minister minister of finance role. Right? Uh, Audrey Young did a very good uh, she did a speculative piece, yeah, yeah um, which I, I'm not sure what her source. Well, she had Nicola Willis as, as finance, and that's that's the way it's. But oh, look, there's no chance David Seymour will get finance. There's but know, there's deputy the deputy prime minister role yeah. is the is, is the well, one for yeah. sure. And, and yeah. you will and you will see much more of an act, uh, you know, if they come to terms, which you know Seymour is pretty. He seems pretty staunch in his negotiating positions so far, hypothetically. Um, you know, you will see a lot more, you know, ACT MPs in Cabinet and, you know, and probably in pretty reasonably significant roles, I think. Um, yeah, in terms of ruling out New Zealand first, and I've got to make sure that, you know, these aren't my personal views colouring my analysis. I God forbid. Uh, I still tend to think there is more upside to ruling out Peter's than downside, um, in the sense that I, I P- Peter's, agree. you know, P- Peter's is Peter's is competing in the same pool of votes as National and Act, um, 
and and of some of the mental parties, you know, the the outdoor recreation and a bit of grumpy labour. Well, I I don't think so. He's he's really pivoting. You know, he's just said he wants an inquiry into COVID and. He's, 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 going he's he appealing to the disaffected, aka quote big 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 air quote freedom movement. No, no, let me see. He's, so, so he's saying we will ensure a full independent inquiry into the COVID nineteen pandemic response, covering multiple lockdowns, social and economic impacts, and decision making. Is this just an ad for his memoirs? Like <laughs> he was the deputy prime minister. It's like it actually is. I feel like I'm having an aneurysm when I read this stuff. Like. <laughs> This charlatan, this absolute um, fraud. I mean, I mean, look. I will give Christopher Luxon ten dollars if he rules out Winston Peters. Wow, okay. I, like, was that bribery? Is that allowed? Is, is that, that illegal? First thing. I think it's fine. Is that, is that reverse treating? I, I would strongly encourage Christopher Luxon. Okay. You know, I, the thing is, it's only going to take votes to get away from the centre right, particularly if he says, "I'm not going to to, to support Labour." Yeah. So all you're doing is cannibalising your own vote by right. giving daylight That's for right. Peter's And to it be might there. be that more of that vote cleaves to act. Where you know the vote that the, if if he said no New Zealand first, some portion of an already small would number peel would peel off. You yeah. would think, yeah, not guaranteed, but you would think. And probably more of that will go to act, I should think, than national. Doesn't but, matter. But that's still building your yeah. potential government, right? That's you know? better than I mean, it going a, to New Zealand first and, and having to deal with the government. Well, exactly. I mean, it ends in tears anyway, mm. doesn't it? I mean, the risk, I guess, Annabelle, is that if you come out and say, uh, we won't go with New Zealand first, then then Winston goes, you see all of these bastards, you know, pox on all their houses. I'm the only person who can stay. You know, he I uses that to leverage, you know. I don't actually think that's a risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So will you give $10 to Chris Fluxon if he I just will. announces it either way? Or do you need him to announce? I'm going to give Chris Fluxon $10 if he just announces either way. I don't mind. just want clarity. What's your ten dollars? Um, my ten dollars is the same as Ben's ten dollars. Okay. Why don't so we go five dollars each? It's twenty. No. Or we could up the stakes and make it twenty. We'll write two individual letters. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, look, yeah. um, we've got much more money to give out on this podcast <laughs> in the lead up to the election. Can we expense that? I spe- I don't know. I don't know how this works. I probably we could we're probably going to go to prison now. I think that we've probably we could probably get like a GST yeah, thing okay. on it. All right. <laughs> Bribes to politicians, I'm pretty sure, a GST exempt. Thank you very much. That was Gone by Lunchtime. We'll be back soon. Kia ora. Kia ora e te iwi. Te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.